Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. draft miss to all of you thanks for joining us today my name is ken swanson this is a special edition a bi-week edition of the ap draft show we're gonna go ahead and talk a little bit about the draft and here to help us do it is our dear pal find him on twitter at jacob morley welcome back jake hey what's up it's long time no talk fellas it's never too early to talk about the draft. Let's call it right now. Who are the chi- who are the Chiefs gonna take in the first round? Give me your pick, Matt. Go. Who are they taking? Oh God, Chris Olave. Off the board. Mm. Nobody else can pick him. Oh, not fair. Um, Dylan Moses, because hey, there are too many question marks. Can't go. Christian Derisaw. Tackle. Uh- all right, Jake, as Jake, who, the go. guy who picked the proper pick last year for the Chiefs, who are the Chiefs taking so we can put it down in Sharpie right now so you can go two for <clears> two? <throat> I'm glad you asked. I will tell you who the Chiefs are going to take. They're going to take Dylan Radunce, nah. tackle, North Dakota State. I'm going to let him sit for a year, and he is going to be their uh, bookend tackle with Lucas Nang. You're welcome. Okay. I'll Don't even it. need to watch in April. Don't even need to listen to the rest of these podcasts. But you still need to buy the Casey draft need to guide. Buy the draft guide. Yeah, <laughs> you just—you're really selling this product, Jake. I tell you what, what a professional you are. Yeah, I don't know. That was a panic pick, actually. I just said that to try to get a reaction out of Maddie, but I don't know who they're gonna pick. I don't. I don't hate Dylan Radens actually. I don't know if I like him that early, but I I kind of like I, I kind of like Dylan Radens. I watched a little bit of him when I was watching uh, Trey Lance shoot his draft stock down uh, mm-hmm. against uh, Central Arkansas this year. So you're gonna uh, you're gonna got, regret saying that. Jake has some really good receipts from like two years ago on Trey Lance. Just sitting at the top of his Twitter profile. You should go ahead and just stop what you're doing and listen to him sometime. Like, just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, but he was also a it, Carson Wincer, and how's that going now? It, I mean, I'm glad you asked that question as well. Uh, <laughs> Carson Wentz has had a, a, a really good NFL career up to this year, so I don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz. It's not good. It's not a, It's not good stuff going on with Carson Wentz. But also, he's throwing to, like, a guy that was, like, delivering mail two weeks ago. His blind side is being, delivered, like, protected by Matt's cousin from somewhere. Like, I mean, he's playing with absolute garbage. <laughs> so, 
Um, I, honestly, truth be told, I think his body is breaking down. And I think that was always an issue with him is that he had some injuries in college and even high school, and he's struggled with injuries in the NFL. I think, honestly, the physical tools that he had that people liked about him are just kind of starting to leave him. But, I mean, my man was an MVP clear-cut frontrunner in his career. Not many people can say that. So he's a weird, weird case study when you talk about hits and misses in the NFL draft. I really didn't know what? that Antonio Gandy Golden delivered mail at any point in his career. I think you're talking. I think you mean Travis Fulgham. Oh, okay. Who uh, okay. got a write up from us a couple years ago in the in the draft guide? But uh, we yeah. we got to watch him. We got to watch him at the Senior Bowl. We Old did. Dominion. Yep. Yep. Old Dominion. I remember that it was a good time. All right. It feels good to be back with Jake. Just like we sat here for like an hour talking about the draft and last year's draft, and it was a good time. But we're going to answer your questions. You've got a lot of qu draft questions this week, uh, five-star reviews. You, you emailed some in and obviously some Twitter questions when we were asking for some questions. So we're just going to go through these and just answer them. And we'll start with the five-star reviews. If you like what we're doing on the AP podcast channel, leave a five-star review, ask a question, we'll answer it. Bobo52 did that. He said, hi, guys. Great pod. Can you give us your opinion on the wide receiver you would take in the first or second round? Thanks, and go Chiefs. Jake, kick us off, my friend. Um, for the Chiefs, I think you know they're looking for an outside receiver presence. I think um, a couple guys that you might see in that range are, are uh, the Ohio State kid that Matty already mentioned, um, Terrace Marshall, the LSU kid. But someone that I think is really interesting in that role is Devonta Smith from Alabama because I think he can play outside. I think he is a super, uh, he's a pretty well refined guy already, and I think he's going to slide in this draft class because he's not a big guy. I don't think he's going to test super well, but he's just good at football, and I think he's just ready to play. And I think um, for where the Chiefs are right now with. I mean, let's be honest, their window is wide open. It's as open as anyone in the NFL, but you have how many years left before Pat is taken up a gimongous, you know, majority part of that salary cap. So getting guys in there like him that will be able to come in and contribute, I believe, right away. Uh, Devonta Smith would be a guy that I would find really interesting for the Chiefs in that, you know, late first round range and maybe even second. You know, this this is a really, really good wide receiver class again. And that's why a guy like him could potentially fall um, because people talk about, you know, last year's draft class at wide receiver being super good. This year is probably better. Uh, Maddie. Yeah. Th this wide receiver class is crazy. There's going to be someone there at the end of the first round. And like to Jake's question to kick off the podcast, I said, Chris Olave is out of Ohio state. He's one of my favorite wide receivers in this draft class. And I think he'd be perfect for Kansas city. But kind of a poor man's Chris Olave that I think you could maybe have at the end of the second round would be Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. And he's not a guy that has your traditional X wide receiver size for the NFL, but for Andy Reid, he might. He's about six foot, 195, maybe 200 pounds. And if he comes in at that weight, that's probably big enough to play in that role for the Chiefs. The way he plays is kind of what separates him. He's a guy that dominates at the catch point despite being of average size. He's incredibly physical. I think coaches around the NFL are going to love him, just the work ethic and how physical he is as a blocker and during his routes. 
He plays in the Big 12, a spread offense, so he clearly needs some work. But I think he's a guy you could get on day two that was going to be the poor man's version of kind of that X-style wide receiver you want the Chiefs to get to replace Sammy Watkins that can run a full route tree, but also work in kind of some of the dirty areas over the middle of the field. I'm sorry, Craig, if I took your pick. You seemed slightly upset at me when I said Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State. I was. So hopefully you have another guy ready. Yeah, I do. We, I mean, we've, we've been hinting around him. Let me just talk about Chris Olave. Um, a guy that maybe not is, isn't really going to have like the huge long speed that you have become familiar with, with the chiefs wide receivers and the speed that they can put on the field, but a very smooth route runner, very good body control, especially on the sidelines. He comes down with some insane catches. He creates a lot of separation just in his route running. He's already a polished guy that they could line up at the X receiver. I know he might be maybe a little small, although Andy Reid isn't like trying to go out there and look for obviously the DK Metcalfs or these giant dudes to play out there. We've seen him pass on some of those guys so far. I think that a guy like Chris Olave that can slot right in, know the full route tree, run the full route tree, and be able to operate in that X receiver role might just be the kind of player that can come in immediately. Uh, We know it takes these receivers a little while to get up to speed. Chris Olave might be a guy that that's not an obstacle for that he can come right in and operate in the Chiefs offense. One guy you got to keep an eye on, and he he might go earlier than where the Chiefs are picking. Rashad Bateman, keep an eye on him, too. Uh, just as far as the guys we're talking about, he's the, out of all these guys we're talking about, he's the one that's going to go up and get the football better than anybody. He's got exceptional ball tracking skills. Um, he can play through contact. I really like him. I don't, he's not going to – like some of these guys are going to separate a little bit better than him, I think. Um, that does, But not to completely say he, he can't, but – um, I, I think he's he's better, you know, trying to track the football, make a play in the, with the ball in the air. All right, AP Nerd Squad at gmail.com questions. And this comes from, he says, Twitter handle is at Schmitty713. He says, thanks for doing a draft show. Hashtag Christmas in November. First question with Jalen Waddle's broken ankle. Do you think he could slide to 32 where the Chiefs will be picking for back to back years? Love the swag. No. <laughs> no, I I don't. I mean, because speed speed kills in the NFL, and if you if if his health if his if his ankle is healthy and if he can run and he runs well, um, there's I don't know. There's plenty of film on Jalen Waddle for teams to love, and if he can prove that he's healthy, no, he's not going to be there at 32. I mean, look, Henry Ruggs, uh, the third went probably higher than he should have last year you know he being mentioned with guys like jerry judy and cd lamb who quite frankly he didn't have any business being in that conversation with but he ran super well so he i mean you just you see it so the fact that uh jalen water will probably probably be healthy probably run well i would really really be shocked if he was even you know past the early 20s and we actually talked about uh, prior to the podcast earlier this week, uh, the three of us had actually sat down and we were talking a little bit about Waddle. We we got some more all 22 on Bama's offense and I'm watching it from the defensive perspective for some prospects. And my goodness, Jalen Waddle goes up and gets the ball with the best of them. Like really strong at the catch point, really good hands. He's not just a speed guy who only wins by running, you know, 
sprint and pass guys. He's good at the catch point as well. I just think that he's too good of a receiver to let slip, and he's got the burning speed. I just don't see him being available at 32. But if he is, you bet your ass that Chiefs are going to pick him up immediately. And quick question before we move on from it too: Who's what is the better one-two receiver combo in the last two years at Bama? Do you have? Would you take Jerry Judy and Ruggs or Devonta Smith and a healthy Jalen Waddle? It's tough. I think that Judy's better than Devonte Smith, and so I, I think I'd go with Judy Ruggs. Although I do think that Waddle tips Ruggs. See, I'm gonna lean the other way. I'm going to trust what Alabama does. Even last year when they had Judy and Ruggs, when they needed third down completions, they went to Devonta Smith. And then on the flip mm-hmm. side, they give a lot more trust, or they were this season giving a lot more trust to Waddle than they ever gave to Ruggs. Now, last year they had all four of them, so maybe that limited Ruggs role a little bit more. But they seemed to trust Smith the most last year. And then this year they kind of opened up the entire offense to both Smith and Waddle. I just think the two are a little bit more complete as a pair than Judy and Ruggs. I think those guys are both just a little bit more limited. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with any of the four. I don't, I don't think you can be wrong here. No, no. What a, what a nice problem to have for Bama. No doubt. His second question, are there any guys you have identified early on that are currently playing out of position but should be on the Chiefs' radar, kind of like Legereus Sneed last year? It's kind of hard this early on just because we're just now starting to get some of the All-22 trickling in and things like that. So it's pretty early in the season to see guys out of position. But just one guy in a similar position, kind of Legereus Sneed, Tariq Thompson out of San Diego State. He plays safety this year and their 3-3-5 defense. He's usually their deep center field safety. He's played corner in the past. He's six foot, 205, 210 pounds, big physical guy, has shown a ton of ball skills, and he's played all over in their secondary. I wouldn't be too surprised to see a team that likes to play with physical press corners try to push him back outside rather than let him play in the middle of the field. You just have to be okay probably without a lack of elite speed or lack of exceptional agility, which is something the Chiefs are completely fine with, with Bashad Breeland and Charverius Ward and Rashad Fenton all seeing plenty of playing time for him. You know, for me, I think it's interesting. That's a good question because you look at this Chiefs roster and you say, well, you know, Anthony Sherman's getting a little bit older. Uh, They're always looking for that tight end, too, it seems like. And Texas has a quarterback named Sam Ellinger. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I honestly, I I just wanted to throw some shade at him. I I don't have an answer to this question. that's, That's a good question, and that's like deep in the weeds where I'm not quite there yet. So, uh, Sam, so my, my answer is Sam Ellinger at fullback. One guy I'm kind of keeping an eye on for the Chiefs just in general, and I believe I saw Joe Marino from the Draft Network mock him to the Chiefs at 32 recently is Alex Leatherwood, and he's a tackle right now. And so this is a little bit of a – I don't want to call it a Maddie answer entirely, but, like, I mean, he's going to play along the offensive line. We're not moving Alex Leatherwood to tight end. But he is a guy that could potentially kick inside – I like his flexibility, though, and I would like to actually give him a chance at tackle potentially before kicking him inside. But I do think this is a guy that has played a variety of spots along the Alabama offensive line. That's a lot of versatility that the Chiefs typically covet. They like guys that have played on different different spots. They like to take tackles and kick him inside to play guard. Um, Alex Leatherwood's a guy to keep an eye on that you know could be a versatile piece to an offensive line. What do you got, Craig? Just like... Isaiah Simmons last year, how I pounded the table for that man to move to safety. 
and then he goes to Arizona and doesn't play safety and isn't playing particularly well, Sean Wade needs to move to safety. And he needs to move there in a hurry. I know that's not the first time on this podcast that I've said it. But frankly, he's just not the same player on the boundary. He's more of a slot safety role. That's not a slight. Tyron Matthew plays that exact same role. I think Sean Wade can succeed in some of that role. He's not the most fluid guy. He's not the fastest guy. But he's a smart player. He's willing to hit. He's got good ball skills. I think with with him patrolling the middle of the field, similar to what Matthew does, and he can play deep in the base, I think that you can put him in a chance to really be an elite playmaker in the NFL. You just have to move him there. Don't don't try and shoehorn a man on the boundary because I think you're going to be a little bit disappointed. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, time to answer Twitter questions about the draft on a special episode of the AP Draft Show. And Gregory Mack11 reached out and said, what is the Chiefs' biggest position of need going into the 2021 offseason? And who would be the best player to fill that need in the draft? I like how you put me first up in the rundown on this question to answer like this deep dive like on the Chiefs roster where I've been working my butt off for the last eight weeks covering the Packers. But uh <clears throat> let me go ahead and answer. No let, let me go ahead and answer this for you. I think I read later on in the questions that someone was calling for um, some help at the defensive end position, and it looks like um, interior offensive line could probably use some work as well. So um, I think those are the two biggest needs at that position. At um, I think you already talked about it at interior offensive line, and a guy like. Alex Leatherwood is is a is a great example to a guy that maybe could be have some positional versatility there for the Chiefs. Um, I know that's a cop out answer, but like I don't have a super in depth answer for you. Defensive end, um, I don't know who is going to be available there at thirty two. That could be anything for them. So I think those are two probably I would lead off with those two the biggest position of need as well. Like I think if you want to say cornerback or linebacker, like I wouldn't argue, but I think the Chiefs have young guys at those positions that you feel confident are eventually gonna take some steps. So I think you're looking at interior offensive line, defensive end, maybe wide receiver if you're really going after kind of an X wide receiver, but we've talked a lot about wide receivers already. So I'm gonna stick with the same position there as Jake did. 
I'll say defensive end first and foremost, just because I think you take that earlier in the draft. Defensive end's a little bit harder to find later in the draft. So if if you get a Gregory Rousseau dropping down because he skipped out on this season, because Quiddy Pay is very clearly the best defensive end prospect in this class if he tests anywhere close to what people are going to think. And then you got Jason Owa out of Penn State. Like, there's going to be some better athletes that actually played this season that are going to climb up over Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. But if you can get a six foot seven, two hundred and 70 pound X wide receiver that played defensive end for only two years on this team at the end of the first round, just with his production last year and the physical traits, I think he'd be perfect for Brendan Daly and Steve Spagnuolo's defense. He would fit right in, I think, pretty early. He would give you an actual dynamic version of Tano Passigno, who the Chiefs have been able to work with very well. I I mean, I think it's pretty clearly wide receiver. I think Brett Veach has established that he's going to go out of his way to restock the cupboard for Brett or for Patrick Mahomes every year. And I won't belabor the point anymore. We talked about all of the wide receivers, I think, that are potential options for the Chiefs in the first round. Whichever one of those is available, that's who they're going to take. I said it at the top of the show when we got asked who's going to be the pick at 32. Christian Darisaw, man, keep an eye on him. Uh, I think the Chiefs are going to I think the Chiefs are going to invest in tackle early. Eric Fisher on his way out pretty soon. He's expensive. Mitchell Schwartz, they've been without him all year. They drafted a tackle for a reason last year. I think they draft another one. Christian Darisaw um, is an absolute unit, and he's nasty, and he has really good movement movement skills for a man his size. I I really like his feet, what I've seen from him at this point. There's a lot to like about him. I think he's going to continue to climb up draft boards. He may not even be there at 32 when it's all said and done, but I am a big fan. Also, side note, I really like that Jake has already conceded that the Chiefs are beating the Packers in the Super Bowl and will be picking at 32. (laughs) There is no need for a rebuttal, Jake. Wasted Motion asks, if we get a compensatory third when Eric Biennium becomes head coach of the Texans, Jets, Falcons, etc., what position would you most like to double dip in the 2021 draft? Um, I think... It might, it, you might need to do it at edge, a pick in the top 100 and a pick on day three, trying to identify a couple guys. I think you know, and I think the Chiefs can find a role player along their defensive line at the edge position, a la a Mike Dana on day three. But they also need to try to find someone that can make an impact. I could see the Chiefs double dipping. That's a position that they're going to need some depth in 2021. Uh, and you know, it's already the talent is also sorely missed too. So like, I think you could do one early in the draft and then do one late interior offensive line. We've talked about why it's a need. They need three new players to play interior offensive line. So you might as well draft as many as you possibly think can start out of this draft. I think it's a pretty easy position to draft starters in, in the mid rounds, if you don't want to do it right off the top. So I would be completely fine with using a comp pick that you get from Eric bien moving on. And then at the end of the third round to draft a second or draft two back-to-back interior offensive linemen. If one of them wants to be a guy that plays tackle in college that you're considering moving inside, that's fine. I'm still counting it, even if you want to give him a shot at tackle first. Just two guys that you plan on playing along the offensive line, and especially in the interior, you can draft them at the end of the third round with very minimal worry. I'm, I'm going to cheat here. I, I don't think that the Chiefs are going to take this position early, but they might double dip because they're going to use one of these and then use a later pick at linebacker. Damian Wilson's going to be a free agent after this season. I think we all know how Ben Neiman is kind of doing here. So 
they need a backup mic for Anthony Hitchens. I don't know if that's going to be a position they're going to try and attack in the third round and then try and find more of a coverage dime linebacker, maybe a lighter guy since they don't really ask Ben Neiman to take on blocks anyway in the dime. Try and get like a hybrid guy that's a little bit later, you know, lighter later in the draft. But I do think that they need to add some bodies to that room because the guys that they're trusting right now are frankly not all that good and they're going to be out of contract very soon. Yeah, I think that's good process, kind of talking about what Craig just talked about. If you don't, you know, you look at some of their secondary needs and, you know, say they don't take a wide receiver in the first or second round, I think that's when you start looking at double dipping at some of those positions just because you can, you're looking at volume and you're looking at how many bodies can we get in here and how many swings can we take. So I think, you know, any of those secondary positions could be good, good, you know, good spots. And when I talk about secondary needs, I'm talking about your wide receiver, your um, your cornerback, secondary, you know, linebacker, all those, all those spots are, are places I could absolutely see the Chiefs double dipping. Side note: If the Chiefs don't draft a wide receiver early this year, I'm going to be a little disappointed because this would be two years that they're just punting on not taking a wide receiver in very good wide receiver classes. D. Johnston, 29. As the season has gone on, center and defensive end have, have become clear areas of need. Uh, and with the likely loss of Tano Passanio, Taco Charlton, Alex Okafor, defensive end feels like the position most likely to look at in round one. Who are some day or some defensive ends you guys like? I know we've talked a little bit, but let's just let's just name some guys just one at a time. Maddie, who you got first? So I already mentioned Gregory Russo, so I'm, I'm gonna skip over him. We don't need to talk about him again. But I think Carlos Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest is about a picture perfect Steve Spagnuolo defensive end if they're still looking for that same mold. He's very big, he's very long, he plays the run incredibly well. His pass rush ability isn't elite. It's maybe not even great, but it's good. He doesn't have to come off the field. He has the flexibility to kick inside, but he's definitely more of a traditional base down defensive end that has some pass rushing upside he's just a guy that I think would fit what Steve Spagnuolo likes really well even if he's not going to be my favorite prospect so like you got Rousseau out of Miami Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest and then Craig has Aziz Ojolari my man out of Georgia who is not a Steve Spagnuolo defensive end. Don't get me wrong, but my goodness, the man has juice. You turn on a Georgia game, and he is all over the field. He is making impacts. He is constantly in the quarterback's face. He is constantly making plays against the run. He's just one of those guys, a la Justin Houston, that just makes an overall impact on the game in every facet, and he's got a little bit of that pass rush juice. I know that he's not necessarily going to be a Steve Spagnolo type, but I think we've seen Brendan Daly's got a little more influence. Mike Dana is definitely not a Steve Spagnolo type. They have looked at some guys that maybe are just pass rushers. Uh, is not just a pass rusher, but if they wanted to bring him along in his rookie year, they could fit him in in the dime and have some good pass rush options opposite Frank Clark. Uh, those are all great guys. The guy that I was going to say, Maddie Skull, I think bashed him. I think he hit. I think he bashed it on the head with that one. I think he's an absolute slam dunk of a pick uh, for Kansas City and what they want to do. Um, also, a couple other guys that I'm interested to watch a little bit more of because I think they might be able to be potential fits. And they have cool names, and that kind of fits in with what Kansas City likes to do at the defensive end position. <laughs> I like uh, 
I like Shaka Tani and I like uh, Big Cat Bryant as well as two potential picks as uh, defensive ends in Spag's system. Yeah, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. I don't know if he's going to wind up declaring this year, and but he's he fits the profile. Thick, real thick, long. Um, he fits the profile. I believe he just got hurt. Don't know how that's going to impact his draft status. He fractured his leg. As far as as far as round one guys go, yeah. As far as round one guys go, like he would one he he's one that would make some sense. But I don't know if that's going to happen anymore. If you look at this edge class, there's some guys down the le- down the list that you know, maybe not round one, but they have some guys that kind of fit that prototype that you could see, uh, like a Rashad Weaver. Uh, he's another guy out of Pittsburgh, but he's not going to go in the first round. Joel Zilstra. Biggest or funnest draft guide hits and misses. It is bye week after all. I know we did this on the pod uh, a couple weeks ago, guys, but let's just go ahead and do it again. Let's catch some L's and brag a little bit about what we did uh, in the draft guide last year. Yeah, I think for me, looking at that wide receiver group last year, I really liked a lot of those guys. Honestly, I liked a lot of the guys that a lot of people liked. And uh, for obvious reasons, but a guy that I think I was a little bit higher on was Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame. Um, he's obviously really done well for himself in Pittsburgh. And I mean, give Pittsburgh some credit too. My goodness. They know how to pick wide receivers. Um, like they just, it just seems like they don't really miss on those guys. Um, so he's been a really fun hit for me. <clears throat> um, I think misses, you know, it's tough to say just because we're eight weeks into, uh, a COVID off season where rookies te- typically suck anyways, um, and they're have really sucked. And the one position I really want to look at is the cornerback position. They're just, you look around the league at the cornerback play young corners and it's just not good. In fact, it's pretty bad. And one guy that I think is a big miss for me so far, I still have plenty of hope for both of these guys. I got to wear the Isaiah Simmons dunce hat so far. He has not been good. I okay. love him. Um, uh, that's fine. Uh, Jeffrey Akuda is another guy that, all of us were super high on and he just has not looked um, comfortable. He doesn't look like the same type of athlete we saw at Ohio state. Um, he, you know, we talked about this off in the pre-production show, like he's done some stuff, like he's, he's shown some flashes. Um, but I, you know, I thought he was going to come in and just be a dude right away. And and he has not. So uh, that's probably, those are the, probably the two biggest misses. Cause you talked about guys that were weighted super high. Um, for me especially so um, I'll wear I'll wear the L for those guys so far way too early to say that they're busts for me I think my most fun guy that was kind of a my guy that's hit so far is Yitor Grossmatos and that's mostly fun because my vendetta against uh, PFF they absolutely despised him and he's shockingly been good at the NFL because even though his stats in college didn't say so, it was pretty clear. He was a guy that had NFL caliber athleticism. So just seeing him put it together already as a rookie when he's a guy that I think most people assumed would need a little bit of time, that's a fun one. I also like Devon Hamilton playing for the Jaguars as essentially a run-stuffing nose tackle. Yeah, not the sexiest position, but it was pretty evident when you watched him play for Ohio State that he was going to be good in that role going forward, kind of like Derek Nottie was coming out of Florida State for the Chiefs. It's just so obvious in your face that when it happens right away, it's just a nice thing to see. As far as misses, I think a big one for me is Akeem Adeniji. 
out of Kansas, I felt confident when I watched him, whether on film or at the Senior Bowl, that he was going to be a guy that someone was going to draft in the middle rounds and he was just going to be solid from the get-go. And just something about his technique and his movement, it just seemed like a safe pick that he would end up playing relatively early on. Not only did he not go in the early to middle rounds of the draft, he went kind of late in the draft, and I don't believe he's seen much playing time so far. He can obviously turn it around. I, w- oh. I will say he uh, he did play the the week that they had some injury issues in Cincinnati. He actually played all right. He actually showed some promise. He's just he's kind of been behind the eight ball. I believe he started at left tackle when there was so many depth issues in Cincinnati. He actually showed up okay. But I think it, honestly, Maddie, just I think it's the I think it's the weight. Um, I think it's the weight issues that he's kind of had to this point. Sorry, continue. No, no, well, but then like, shoot, I mean, then shoot. I just didn't miss on any of my guys, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Who's someone? It doesn't have to necessarily be a my no, guy. I mean, Amik Robert, Amik Robertson has not played particularly well in the games I've seen. He may have gotten better since the Chiefs. I have not watched the Raiders since they beat the Chiefs. He maybe's played a little bit better since then. But, I mean, that was his second game seeing snaps. So maybe he's gotten better. But at least up until what I'd seen, I thought Amik Robertson would be a little bit better. Again, I thought he was a guy that had a relatively high floor based on how he played in college. Maybe not a crazy high ceiling, but I thought he'd hit the ground running a little bit better than he did because he looked like a deer in headlights versus the Bills in his first action. I'm going to go with some guys like we, when we did this uh, a couple weeks ago, I said Julian Blackman because the Colts just take all the safeties I like and they turn out to be very good. But I'm going to go with Noah Igbenogany. I was not nearly as high as everybody, it seems like, was on Noah Igbenogany. Everybody loved what he was as an athlete and really projected him to be this stud corner so far through eight games. That Dolphins defense is good. He has not been, and they talked about moving him to nickel corner. They didn't end up doing that. They've given some UDFAs and some, you know, kind of undrafted free agents or some lesser-known free agents, some operation there, and just haven't really operated outside of the boundary with him. He is taking some serious lumps. That's a little bit to be expected. He had a lot of work to do. I just didn't see an immediate translation of a first-round draft pick for him. And then guys that that I missed on, we all love Zach Bond. Zach Bond is in New Orleans right now. New Orleans just made a trade for Quan Alexander to play over him. Zach Bond was not playing anyway. Uh, he was behind Alex Anzalone, guy that's just not really seeing the field. He's getting more special team snaps than he is uh, linebacker snaps, kind of similar to Willie Gay Jr., but a guy that we loved. And then another guy I really liked, John Reed out of Penn State, a mid-round guy. The Houston Texans don't have any cornerbacks worth a damn, really. And Lonnie Johnson has been moved to free safety, so the pathway is cleared for him to step in and play as the nickel corner, a position that I think he would be great in, and they're playing Keon Crossan there as well. Keon Crossan just got juked out of his shorts by <laughs> Jake Luton this weekend, I believe. So it's it's not been particularly good for John Reed. Maddie tanked Antonio Gibson's grade, but I had a pretty I had a pretty good grade on him. I projected him as a running back, not as a receiver. I projected him as a running back, and uh, he's had a really good rookie season getting involved in the pass game as well as the run game averaging 4.3 yards per carry on the on the year but he's done some really good things in the pass game as well and that's where I was really intrigued by his you know ability and his value because I think 
you know, he catches the ball so naturally. If you could really kind of develop him as a running back, which I think he showed some promise uh, in a limited sample size at Memphis, I felt like he could be a really interesting dynamic weapon. He has been. He's been great value. Uh, I got to stay at the running back position to catch a big old L, uh, a thick one. I hated James Robinson. Like, hated James Robinson. You guys don't understand how much Kent hated James Robinson. It's hard to explain. I we didn't really have a bunch of film on him, and the game that he he that I did see it, he fumbled the ball like three times. He didn't show a ton of explosiveness. Uh, it was not a good game, and he was doing it against a middling FCS team, and I hated him, and I was wrong. Uh, he's been he's had a, a fantastic rookie year, uh, and it's not just volume. I don't think with Jacksonville, he's legitimately been a, a good running back. Uh, you can only all right. So the main event, two K asks you can only pick one draft crush you hope to get with the thirty second pick in the draft. Who you got? You know what? Let's be unrealistic today. How about we be unrealistic today, guys? Yes. Let's just do it. Now, maybe not like, maybe not Penay Sewell, but like, you know, be be a little bit unrealistic here. Okay. Um, with the thirty second pick in the draft, I hope the Packers take Rondell Wait. Moore out Go of Purdue. Um, I think he fits into Matt Lafleur's offensive system really well as like that. To what? Oh, sorry. Hmm. Um, I thought we were talking 32nd pick, though. Yeah, well, we are. We traded up. We traded up for my draft crush, but we'll get there in a second. We're cool. Okay. Well, okay. Well, let's say the Chiefs <clears throat> beat the most fraudulent 13-3 and team last year and the worst 6-2 and team in football this year in the Green Bay Packers in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I would hope the Chiefs would take – realistically, I hope the Chiefs – like, if, I, if we're just dreaming, it's Kyle Pitts out of Florida, the tight end. <laughs> and, and that's a little bit off the radar but when you talk about just offensive weapons that as a non-chiefs fan that's what scares me more than anything is putting him in that offense another guy that could potentially be a travis kelsey level tight end which anybody that watches the chiefs know that travis kelsey 87 is the star the straw that stirs that drink over there on that offense and he is one of the hardest guys to defend in the nfl but he's not getting any younger um, you know, and to add, to add a guy like Kyle Pitts out of Florida would just be a blast to watch. That was mine. We've talked enough about Chris Olave so far, so I'm going to go to another guy. Joseph Osai, edge defender out of Texas. In this offseason, I watched him, and I was actually hoping they would move him to off-ball linebacker, but then the fit with the Chiefs, he's kind of a little too big, maybe not rangy enough to be a middle linebacker or a weak side guy. Instead, he packed on another 10 15 pounds. He's weighing about 255, six foot four. He's playing three, four, kind of a stand up slash hand in the dirt defensive end position for Texas. And he has been an absolute monster this season for them as a pass rusher. He's got the length, the athleticism. I mean, he still needs some technique work with his hands because he's played this hybrid stand up off ball on the line of scrimmage position for a while but he's transitioned almost fully to a pass rusher now and he's just dominant he just came off with a walk-off sack against Oklahoma State earlier this year to where he essentially just hit an offensive tackle with a speed rush and he already had to work over the top of a tight end but he was just able to dip under the offensive tackle Oklahoma State's offensive tackle is actually a draftable player potentially top 100 he made him look silly all game long 
I don't know if he's going to be the perfect base defensive end for Steve Spagnuolo and the Chiefs, but if they're looking to get a guy with a little bit more athleticism and a pass rush, give me Joseph Osai, figure out how to make it work, whether he has to play as your strong side linebacker, like a Devin Kennard role for the Giants and kick down to rush the passer. If he can play defensive end all the time, I don't care. Put him on my football team. That guy's got an insane amount of energy and a high motor. He'll figure out something to work. Yeah, since I have to be realistic and I can't take Micah Parsons here, I'm going to go... Go with him. No, I'm going to go with Caleb Farley. I wanted Caleb Farley. Then I'm going to go with Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons (laughs) is a super athlete and a field general, a guy that can come in and play the mic immediately. I think I've talked at length for the past two years about how the Chiefs don't have a backup mic. That's a guy that can come in revolutionize your defense immediately. He's big, he's long, and he's a freak athlete with explosive burst and good body control. A guy that's going to be able to shoot any gap, dip underneath offensive guards, be able to penetrate into the backfield, and he's smooth enough in coverage to where he can match up against tight ends, running backs. He would revolutionize the second level with Willie Gay. You would have some of the most athletic linebackers in the NFL. Like you're talking Levante David, Devin White level athleticism at the second level. That sort of athleticism coupled with what Steve Spagnuolo can do with his secondary would just make for an elite back seven there that can just take over games if he lets them. So I would love to have Micah Parsons. There's no way he's getting to 32, but that's my dream. You know, I don't think it's real unrealistic that he falls to like 15, believe it or not, just because of a positional value perspective. And it's all about that. I mean, he's going to get a big grade from us. Like, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that. I just, you know, linebacker is one of those positions where you can see positional value fall. So maybe he falls at like 16 range. Uh, here's, a, here's one. Here's a name for you guys that you've never heard ever on this show, ever. <laughs> Caleb Farley, the cornerback out of Virginia Tech. If you are looking for a big, lengthy, physical press corner, Caleb Farley is your guy. Stacking him with Legereus Sneed for the next five years would be a very, very good group outside. He has everything Steve Spagnuolo is looking for. Uh, long, like I said, length, size, excellent in press. Um, he's a physical dude. He's a willing tackler. I, I watch him. I think he plays with good football character. You know, all those little things that you see out of corners, a willingness to tackle, willingness to be physical, those are things that are indicators of a guy that actually loves football. I think Caleb Farley actually loves football. Craig and wants former, to jump in. former receiver, so plus, plus, plus ball skills. So, yeah. And we know that Spagnuolo is looking for those. Yeah, because uh, the one guy that they have on the other side of – yeah. You guys know who we're talking about. So what are the odds that a single one of those four players are available at 32? Zero. Uh, (laughs) It's not zero, though. It's not zero. It is November 11th right now. And just talking about inside linebackers, like Miles Jack was that dude at at one point in draft process, and he went in the second round. Like, is that going to happen to Micah Parsons? Probably not. But Because if he has me, he's probably not. But but maybe you know, that that would be the only thing is like we don't know yet we don't know and or Jay I mean you know God forbid like Jay, something like Jalen Smith happens to him you know so yeah. it's November we don't we don't know so 
you can't say zero. One percent. Osai has the best. Osai has the best chance of all those guys. I think personally, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Harbert Ross asks: Project the positional draft order for the Chiefs, like round one OT, round one, around two edge, round three wide receiver, all through round six. Let's not go through round six. Let's do the Chiefs' first three rounds. That includes the compensatory pick that they will be getting for Eric Bieniemy, Maddie Go. About, okay, is that the only third round compensatory pick we're getting? I thought maybe Kendall Fuller can't be a fourth or a third, can he? He has to be a fourth. Kendall Fuller will be a fourth yeah. round compensatory. It's useless. So, round one, defensive end. Round two, wide receiver. Round three, offensive line. Offensive line. Jake. Round Jake. round one, Kyle Pitts tight end round two terrace marshall wide receiver lsu round three sage surratt wide receiver wake forest and then an offensive tackle because we're gonna score 100 baby hashtag score 100 i'm gonna go with wide receiver round one i think offensive tackle round two and i think uh let's go linebacker round three and then interior offensive lineman in round three as well all right, give me offensive tackle in round one. Give me wide receiver in round two. Give me edge in round three. And give me interior offensive lineman with the compensatory pick. That's what I'm going with. I do. It, here's. I will just say this. We'll, we'll close the show with this. It's a good year to need tackles. It's a good need year to need edges, and it's a good year to need wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And good enough year to need an interior offensive lineman. So the Chiefs are in really good position to get really good players at positions of need throughout the draft. Real positive sign moving forward. That's going to do it for a special edition of the AP Draft Show. Thank you guys so wait, much wait, for listening. Wait. We didn't ask Jake the most important question of this podcast. Jake, you watch enough Chiefs football. You can answer this. If you had to have this Chiefs team quarterbacked by prime Tyler Palco, prime Tyler Bray, or prime Tyler Thigpen, who would you choose? Thank you. Run run the option, baby. Run the option. You guys are all wrong. Chuck it deep. Dude, they all suck. (laughs) But this this team would still, I think, be like six and 10 to eight and eight with any of those guys. Because Andy, because and, Andy. Andy and this team is so freaking talented. All right, we'll we'll close on that. We'll cr- we'll close on Craig taking another L. Thank you guys so much for listening. The AP Draft Show will be back after the end of the season, getting you ready for the Chiefs draft, which looks like there's going to be a lot of compensatory picks. Thank you all so much. We'll catch you later.